Hey, what's up, Elevation Nation? What's up, Elevation Nation? You're gonna wake up. It's sunny outside, and y'all are like, hi, hi, it's church. I'm so excited. Well, uh, like I said, my name is Amir. I'm blessed to be the pastor here, and we're, we are glad you're in church tonight. Uh, happy April 8th. How many of y'all had a good Easter? How many of y'all, we're gonna get really cheesy Christian. How many of y'all are thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ? Come on, let's be real. Man, that's why we're here. It, Easter's the real deal. If you were tired or, or even if things are going great for you, I hope Easter was refreshing. I hope some of y'all got to see family and, and we just remember what that cross is, is all about. And so if you're a guest with us tonight, we definitely say welcome. We always, we're always blessed to have guests. That rhymes. Uh, the, word, the Lord made the words. I didn't. He, just, he made them rhyme. So if you're a guest with us, we're not going to point you out. We're just so glad you're here. This is Elevation. We're the College of Young Adult Ministry of New Life Church. We just come together on Wednesday nights, worship Jesus, learn, grow together, and we're all about finding your place. So uh, a few things before we get into it. Hey, we, since we had Easter weekend, one thing we do as a church uh, on our weekend services, we always have this weekend after Easter weekend called I Have Decided Weekend. And at every one of our weekend services on Saturday night and both on Sunday, we're going to have water baptism, um, which is amazing. People go in public with their faith. And so if you are interested or someone you know is interested, uh, maybe to get baptized for the first time. Sometimes we have people that, that were baptized at a really young age and, and they rededicated their life. They want to get baptized again. Man, please go see our connect team at the foyer. We want to give you information on that. And if you're going to be here, Elevation, I, I like to say we're the party starters at, at the baptism. So people are getting baptized. We're getting crazy. That's what you need to know because it's, it's a big deal. Um, the other thing is this. I have a curveball. Say curveball. Okay. So we talked about it last week. If you didn't know, the mobile pack is next week. And that is simply where the, the restaurant Tacos for Life, every time you eat a meal, actually every time you eat a taco, you feed a kid, you eat three tacos, you feed, you feed three kids. It's amazing. Well, once a year, they pack the meals. That's the vision. And it moves from church to church in Conway. This year, we have Home Corn Advantage, New Life Church. We're hosting the mobile pack next week. Uh, we're excited. This is what happened, though. I need y'all. I need eyes. I need eyes. This is muy importante. That's Spanish for very important. So... I have a minor. It's good. I'll, one day I'll speak a sermon in Spanish. Not really. It's hard. Um, so the, the pack filled up, right? 500 spots. I think it's because it's Wednesday and there's a lot of youth group swag. You know, hey. So it filled up. So we called Austin uh, Samuelson. He's over. Tacos for Life Peace for him and his wife. And this is what happened. So we, we there's about 50 of y'all who signed up. And this is where y'all got to pay attention. So what we did is to remix it, because our high school ministry meets at the same time. This will be completely transformed uh, for Tacos for Life, uh, for the mobile pack. I'm going to start my watch. It, it's like uh, Inspector Gadget. Don't worry about it. A lot of secrets happen right here. So we're, we had to release our meals for our high school ministry. That's what you know. So if you signed up, I've released your meals. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Not your meals, your spot. That didn't make sense. You don't have meals yet, but it's okay. Anyways, so I've released your spots. Why Austin because they're incredible. They end up making a packing spot next Wednesday just for us for 9 to 11. I know some of the young adults are like, oh, my God. Some of you early birds. Rebecca's ticked somewhere. Uh, so Reeves goes to sleep early. I'm proud of her. She gets her sleep. So it's going to be from 9 to 11. It's going to be just for us. This is what Austin said, and this is for y'all. He said, hey, we're going to grab spots from the other, other packing slots that aren't full, and we're going to put 200. Can you fill up 200? I was like, I think they can fill up 200. He goes, I don't think y'all can do it. So there's almost probably 200 people in this room. You need to bring your friends. This is, you don't hide your kids, hide your wife and this thing. You bring your friends, bring your kids, bring your wife. Um, so this is how you got to do, though. It is 9 to 11. I know that's later. So we will not have service. Will we have service next week? 
Okay, but we're going to be serving instead of having service. Wrap your mind around that. And we believe as a ministry, a family that serves together, what do they do? They stay together. That's good. That's biblical. It's somewhere. So we're going to be serving. So if you show up and you're, it's at 830 and you're like, what the heck's going on? It's going to be crazy in here. Okay, 911. This is what you got to do. So you, those of you who registered, you need to re-register. If this is the first time you're hearing it, we need you. We need it because we need to fill up 200 spots. We need you to invite people. You just go to T4L Mobile Pack, talksforlifemobilepack.com. You click become volunteer. And then what you're going to do is you're going to click join a group. Why? Because I grabbed all 200 so other people wouldn't grab them. And then when you grab, join a group, I know these are all steps, we'll give you more information again later. You just simply put my name, Amir, A-M-I-R, in the name, and it'll bring up elevation. And there's two lines, you need to make sure you do the nine to 11. Click join, and then we're in, okay? So next week, nine to 11, we're serving together. It's gonna be incredible. And then we're gonna continue our devoted series after that in two weeks, and then we'll have two more elevations after that. Yeah, I didn't wanna say it, but you know, first cut's the deepest, that's what Cheryl Crow says. Okay, (laughs) we're gonna pray. I don't know where that came from. Oh, here we go. Okay, we're going to pray, and uh, we're going to get into it. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We, we love Easter, Lord. Uh, we thankful for what you did on the cross, God. And so, God, we don't want to pass Easter and then just go back to, back to our normal way of life, Lord. We want to walk and rest in the finished work of the cross, God. So before we do anything tonight, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you so much. We wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't have the abundant life that you've asked us to have in your, in your word without you, God. So we just thank you for what you've done, who we are in you, Lord. Now, I just pray for anyone in this room that maybe is discouraged, Lord. Lord, that they can know that you died for them, Lord, that you did everything for them, even if they're close to you or, or they're far from you, God. I just pray that in Jesus' name over them. Lord, we lift up um, Second Baptist Church, the Vine, their college and young adult ministry to you, Lord. Uh, God, we just, we just pray for that ministry. They're literally a block down the street, Lord, and we just thank you for what they're aiming at. Uh, this spring, we pray that they can finish the month of April and for their college students and for their young adults that can continue to engage them, Lord. And God, we just thank you for other churches who love you with all their heart, who are going after you. And God, we just want Conway to be a city that just loves you with all of its heart and people that are hurting can find hope in you, Jesus. And we just pray that we can minister and partner with other churches. We're thankful for them. Be with us tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we are starting a new series, it's a Devoted, and it's the real deal. Okay, so Devoted, this is kind of the heart of it. So when we, were, we, we kind of plan sermon series intentionally for you guys. Um, and so this, this, what we're going to end this month with, it's very much of an equipping series. It's kind of help you all grow in your walk with God. So what we, we call it Devoted because we want you to be devoted to the things of God. And we're going to focus on a couple kind of pillars of your faith. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Word of God. Um, we're going to serve next week, so that counts. And then the week after we're going to do prayer. And in the last week of this month, we're gonna do worship. So we're just gonna focus on these big, big, really priorities of our walk with God and how we are devoted to them. Because we believe as a ministry, we believe as a church, something we're striving after for everyone, all the members of Elevation New Life Church, that we become, you probably hear it all the time, fully devoted followers of Christ, that you'd be all in. And that's kind of on a continuum. So as we grow as college students, as we grow as young adults, young professionals, young married couples, relationships, wherever you're at in life, man, we get more all in for God. We get more devoted to God. So that's what tonight is about. So devoted, I'm going to give you all about five Greek, Greek words tonight. So you guys that love Greek words, Tyler loves it. We're in. So the word devoted is the word proskatereo. Yeah, I rolled my R. I'm Persian. I can do that. You're welcome. So it means to be steadfast, committed, or consistent, or to persevere. And this is the Greek, right? Consistent and persevering. Webster's Dictionary says you have a strong love or loyalty for something or for someone, Right? 
So we're consistent in something, we're persevering in something, or we have a love for something. We have loyalty to something. So we're gonna talk about God, but some of y'all are devoted to other things in life. It's okay to be devoted to other things. Some of y'all devoted to food. How many are we devoted to food? We wake every day in Jesus' name. We thank you for the manna that falls from the sky. Um, that's just a spiritual word for food in the Old Testament. It's okay. Um, how many of y'all are thankful for your car? You love your car. Oh, not so much. Your pet. How many of y'all have a dog that you're thankful for? How many of y'all don't like cats? I tricked y'all. Oh, you did it. Okay. Sorry. They're, I'm allergic, so not a fan. Um, what's something crazy y'all are devoted to? Let me hear it. Coffee. How many of y'all are devoted to coffee? Oh, all the Christian, the Christian drug, baby. Some of y'all are devoted to sports teams like smiley face cookies. How many of y'all love smiley face cookies? You're devoted. You said, Jesus, thank you for, for the smileys of this world that make my heart and the world basically be brighter. Is there anything crazy y'all are devoted to? Like you have a crazy hobby that you really spend a lot of time to that you don't mind? Koala bears. <laughs> In Conway? Seven of them. It's the number of completion. That's good. Andy loves koala bears. That's Andy. Thank you. Okay, any other devoted? Y'all are pointing out. You can say it. It's okay. We're in church. Corky. What the heck's a corgi? Oh, never heard of it. Okay, corgis. I had a dachshund, formerly known as a wiener dog. They're the best. So we're devoted to a lot of things. That's okay. God put these desires on our heart to be committed to stuff, to persevere in stuff, or like the, just the Webster Dictionary, it says to love stuff, to be loyal to stuff, right? It's okay. God, that's how God wired us, designed us, and we can laugh about it. But, but man, we're called first to be devoted to God, right? And we're going to talk about his word tonight. And so a, a scripture that we can pull this from, the word devoted is in the scripture almost 10 times in different ways. But the one we're going to look at, it's in the, it, we, we did it earlier in the semester, it's talking about the early church in Acts 2.42. And it says, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. So I just think it's so cool. This is one of my favorite scriptures ever, but also this year. And it's like, they could have described the early church in any way. And it said they were devoted. So they were committed. They were persevering. They were loyal to. And what were they loyal to? The apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to worship. They were committed. So this is like, these guys are preaching. Thousands of people are being saved. And the way that these people are described is devoted. Right? And this is something I've been praying over you guys. This is kind of like a word for me. But what we're going to focus in on this scripture says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And remember, we talk about all the time, they weren't devoted to the apostles. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Well, they were teaching the word of God. They were teaching the gospel message that Jesus came and died for your sins and you need to repent. That's what they were teaching. Right? And it's cool tonight because... Early in the semester, I was sermon prepping, and I, like, I read the scripture, and sometimes if you ever read the word, some people say it like the word jumps out to you. Now, it literally doesn't, but it's almost like, whoa. And it's really cool when you've read that verse before, but then you read it again and something's different. Sometimes it's like where you're at in life or, or what's going on. So I remember I read this, this scripture right here, and it said devoted. And I was in the, I like to hide in the student center because we're a relational church, so it's really hard for me to sermon press here, prep here, but it's cool. Uh, so I was hiding in the student center UCA, and I was prepping, I was like, devoted, yes, devoted. I want Elevation to be devoted, and I want them to be committed, and so this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And I'm like walking in circles in the student center. I'm like, yeah, devoted, yeah. And then people were watching me, they're like, that dude's crazy. I don't know, he doesn't even go to school here. What's he doing? He doesn't even go here. So, um, and so I did twice, so leave me alone. Um, double degree, suckers. Okay, so. I was like, yes, devoted. And I just had a moment, guys, with God. And I was like, 
I just had this question come to my mind. I was like, are you even devoted? And I was like, hmm, no, <laughs> not so much. I mean, I, I'm devoted to God, but am I fully devoted? That's the thing I pray over you guys, the thing I believe for you guys. Am I devoted? And I, I, was, I said, no. And so I don't know if sometimes you guys have maybe a verse of the year or, or of goals of the year or a word of the year, but personally, my word for my year is devoted. And so it's ironic when our, when our creative and production team were, were making uh, this sermon series, they're like, we're going to call it devoted. I said, perfect. So I've kind of been on this journey the past four months of how can I be more devoted to God? How can I be more devoted to the, to the most important things? And to me, the, the thought, and me and my interns, we talk about a lot, is just to simplify things. How can we simplify the things of God? Because we're told a hundred different things to do in our relationship with God, and all of them are good. There's do's, there's don'ts. Worship this way, don't worship. You know, it's like, what's the most important thing, God? How can I be devoted to you? And so I've kind of been on this journey, and in the simplest, this is what I realized, that God has called us to be devoted to him first. He's, he's called us to be devoted to him first. Is it important that we worship? Yes. Is it important that we, that we occupy our streets? Yes. Is it important that we love our neighbor? Yes. But he has called us to be in relationship with him first. First is the key. He made Adam and, in the garden, Adam and Eve, to be in relationship, to walk in the cool of the day and to laugh and have fun. And then also he made us to get, bring him glory, to worship him, right? It's all about the relationship. That's why Christianity is not religion. It's about the relationship. But sometimes we get caught up in the in-between or we get in our denominational battles and we say, you do this or this and this. No, no, no. It's just about Jesus and being in relationship with him, right? It's the most important thing. So I'm trying to simplify this, right? So he made us for him to bring him glory. And then, yes, we're supposed to love our neighbor. Greatest commandment, love me with all your heart, mind, and soul. We've been talking about that all semester. But when we're talking about the word, we can't be devoted to God unless we're devoted to his word, right? We can't know God unless we know his word, and we can't know his word unless we know God. I heard a pastor say it this way. You can't know the word of God without knowing the God of the word. So sometimes we know the word. And it's almost like Pharisee-esque. Oh, I know all the word, but we don't have a relationship with him. It's not so much about intellect, guys. You can memorize the whole Bible if you want. But if you're not having moments with God and experiences with God, and you're in his word, and he is teaching you things and sharpening things, it's just all in vain. So you have to know the God of the word, but they go hand in hand. I know the word of God. I know God. I know God. I know his word. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But I'm going to just share some cool scriptures just to set up the validity of the word, the importance of the word. Just a couple freebies. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Scripture says, All Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking. Rebuking simply just means correcting. Training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. That's you guys, servants of God, for every good work. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's talking about Jesus. It was with him, but he was actually the Word too. 1 Peter 2.5 says, But the Word of the Lord endures forever. Doesn't change, same as yesterday, as today, in the future, right? And this last one's my favorite, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. So, so many times in our relationship with God, we're like, man, I wanna hear from God. How does God speak to us? How do we learn from God? And I know and I believe it, and our pastor Neil and our pastor Rick always says this, the number one way God speaks to you is through his word. Does God speak in other ways? Yes. Is there other ways that we connect? Yes. Does God create us all differently, all different in the body of Christ, but we also all interact with him different? Yes. But the number way, one way he speaks to us is his word. So when this scripture says that your word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, a lamp is not a spotlight. It is not one of these lights. It's a lamp. You can see maybe one, two steps. 
And so many times in life, we want to get to step 10. We want to get this goal. We want to get this desire. We want to get this promotion. We want to graduate. We want to get through this storm. We want to finish, but we don't want to take step one, two, and three. Because he says, my word is a lamp to your feet, meaning you got to be close to it, meaning you got to be close to me, and you got to trust me when you take that first and second step. I'm going to provide step three, four, and five in Jesus' name. That's what he says. But we have to take that first step. And it's cool because the, Jesus left us a few things. He, he, he died, he rose again, hung out for a little while, and he said, peace, I'm going back to heaven. He left us his spirit, and he left us his word. And the coolest thing about his word is it teaches us who he is and who we are in him, what he says we are, what he promises to us. So again, if you don't know the word, it's hard to know the God of the word, right? So that's why we're talking about this. So I'm gonna more share... The Word of God's incredible. So I could have talked to you all about hundreds of things. And I, and I was even struggling last night, Seth. My intern was helping me now. I was going back and forth. I was like, I don't know what to talk about. And so I'm more going to give you three things that I've been wrestling with since I've been striving to be devoted this year that really, really stuck out to me. And I just think it's things that I'm still growing in. So I haven't even got close to, to doing these well. But it's something that's so strong on my heart, I think you need to know it. I think it's for all of you in here. I'll be bold to say that. Um, and so I just want to give you a few ways, man, if we're devoted to the word of God, these things will happen. Cool. So number one is our faith increases. Our faith increases. I know nowadays we don't have the blanks in the notes, so I got to give you a little more time to write. That wasn't funny. Sorry. I wasn't trying to be funny. Wow. Tough crowd. I hate not the blanks. We'll get blanks. We get it. Okay. Our faith increases. We're about to go for a ride, so I need you to lean in. Okay. Romans 10, 17 says this. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. If this comes on the screen, we're going to do a little, a little thing here. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. This word, word, the word, word, say that three times fast, word, word, okay, so, word three. Okay, so that word means rhema in the Greek. I told you, we're going to get some Greek on. And rhema means God's spoken word or God's written word. So there's two words for the word. There's logos, which are just words, and then there's rhema, the written word, right? So when it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God, this is what you can do. It repeats that word hearing. I don't know if you noticed that. So it's almost like math. If you say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, you can cut those hearing out, and you can say faith comes by the word of God, okay? So if you're like, Amir, what, wait, how do I get more faith? Well, faith comes by the word of God. How do I know that? This word rhema, if you look it up, is a noun, and you're like, well, Amir, what does that have to do with anything? Anytime, and I, I did this when I was asked this question, anytime we're asked to describe faith, we say believing in what is unseen, doing this, living that, it's verb, verb, verb. But rhema, according to the Greek, it says it's a noun, right? So faith is the word of God. So what we can do is where the, where the Bible says faith, we can replace faith with the, the word of God, right? So let me give you an example. In Hebrews eleven seventeen, this is like the faith chapter. It gives different heroes of the faith, and this one's talking about Noah, and it says, by faith Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family, right? And in your Bible, in all Bibles, it references where, what that story's talking about, and that's Genesis 6, 13 through 26. I won't read it all, just paraphrase. But basically, God speaks to Noah, written, spoken word, and says, hey, I'm gonna come flood the earth. These people stink, we're tired of it, but I need you to build this ark. And then he goes into giving him dimensions. Make yourself an ark out of cypress wood. 
Um, this is how you should build it. The ark is 300 cubits feet long, 50 few cubits wide, 30 cubits high, right? And he starts giving him blueprints, literal instruction how to do it. So if we go back to that scripture, it says, by faith, Noah, we can say, by the word of God, Noah, when warned about things not seen and in holy fear built an ark. So God's spoken word, because he spoke it to him, noun, but also his written word in a blueprint, he gave it to him, Right? Let me give you another example. Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So if we take out faith and put the word of God, now the word of God is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11, six, we'll do it one more time. Now, and without faith it is impossible to please God. You, who's heard that scripture before, right? And without the word of God, it is impossible to please God. It goes on to say, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and you find that in, in the word, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. This is where I'm going with this. So many times in life, we either say or we know or we go through times where we need more faith. We need more faith in God. And we either ask people that or believe in that or we're asking God, God, I need more faith. And I feel like through this scripture, God's saying, no, you just need more of the word. So if you need more faith, I just need you to have more of the word of God in you. So some of y'all, things are going great, but you have dreams that God's put on your heart and desires and goals, and you're going through something, and you want God to prosper. Prosper means to move along. So there's just a lot of churches and, and denominations who've took that word, and it's only about money. No, no, no. Prosper in the Greek means to move along. So when you have a goal or desire, you're asking God to prosper me. You're asking God to move you along in that. That's what prosper means. Let's, let's, get, the word, let's get some light to the word and bring it back to its validity, right? So you're like, God, I want to I prosper in this. I want to prosper in school. I want to prosper in my relationships. I want to prosper in my job. I want to prosper in anything that you put me to. I want you to move along in it. I need more faith, though. Well, no, you need more of the word of God in you. Some of y'all are in valleys, and you're going through tough times or circumstances or finances, the crap that happens in this life, and you need more faith to overcome. You need more faith to persevere. Now I would say you need more of the word of God in you, even if that's just one scripture. One scripture you grab, you memorize, you speak out. And it's going to give you more faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing and the word of God. Okay. So three years ago, I got to go on mission trips for the first time. I'd been coming to Elevation for a couple years. And I, and I had been wanting to go since I was a freshman in college. And my parents were foreign and 9-11 and all that crap happens. I'm being for real. And so they wouldn't let me go in undergrad. They're like, you're not going. You're brown. I was like, Mom, I want to go to Africa. She's like, still, when do you get off the plane? I kid you not. But I was like, when do you get off the plane? Something might happen. I was like, Mom, it's South Africa. She's like, I don't know, still, I don't know what happened. I was like, okay, Mom, because I was 18. What do you say to your mom? So when I was in grad school and I was older, I was praying about it, and I just knew. I knew that I knew that I knew. Elevation was going on trips, and I was like, I'm going on a mission trip. I want to go so bad. And so I kind of just told, told my parents. Uh, I was 22, feeling 22, and so I told them. And, uh, and so I prayed about it. Guys, I had so much peace. I was like, oh, well, that summer, we were going to Haiti, uh, a road trip in the United States into Rwanda. And so I was praying. I was like, okay, I know I'm supposed to go. I believe I'm called to go. I'm so excited about it. I don't know which trips to go on. So I start praying about that, and I wanted to go on all three. I was in grad school. I didn't have summer school that summer. So I was like, okay, I'll just go on three. So I, I talked to our pastor, Gary, and I said, Gary, how much is it if I want to go on all three? And did the math. He's like, it's $6,800. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go on two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> $6,000? Where are we going? Around the world twice? Like, this is crazy. And uh, he's like, no, dude, it's just airfare and where we're staying. So I was like, okay. So I, I went back and I just started praying about it. And I'm like new to my faith then and I'm trying to figure things out. And, I, and I, guys, I just had this peace. I, I, was, I got more excited about it as I prayed for three trips and I was like, I got to go on all three. And so when I was praying, the thought I just kept having is I'm going to provide, I'm going to provide, I'm going to provide. And I was just like, okay. 
So this is what happens. And this happens if you're a young adult too. People walk up to you, correct me if I'm wrong, what do you do in the summer? This conversation happens a million times. Uh, I'm going on mission trips. Where are you going? I'm going to Haiti and a road trip in the States in Rwanda. Oh, really? Three trips? Three trips. Uh, how much does that cost? $6,800. $6,800. Sounds like an infomercial. $6,800 now. Come to, uh, yeah, $6,800. How are you going to pay for that? I don't know. Do you have all the money? No. What are you going to do? God's going to provide. Really? Really? You know, and I just go back and forth, and they're like, how do you know? I was like, I don't know. He knows. I just, I believe he's going to provide. And I kept speaking it. I kept speaking it. And my faith kept increasing. And you'd be surprised how many of those conversations, I never sent letters to those people. I never planned on telling these people. And those people gave to my trip. Just because I, I held on to that promise from God. I held on to that. He said, I'm going to provide. And, and my faith grew. And I kept saying it. And I kept saying it. And I kept saying it. His word, his spoken word to me. And he's going to provide. He's going to provide. And in Jesus' name, I raised $6,800. And I went on three trips. Um, out of fro. That's, it's, it's an honor of the fro. We're growing it back. Don't judge me. People are already making comments right now. Oh, my God. Look at the curly hair. Okay, so <laughs> it was just incredible. But, but the thing that happened, guys, is God gave me a spoken word. I didn't hear anything. It wasn't an audible Jedi voice where we always get crazy about. Some people hear that. Not me. I've never heard that before. I just knew in my heart he was going to provide. I kept speaking it. My faith grew, and I got to go even before I grew on a trip. So my faith grew before I even went on a trip. We tell our missions team all the time, and it was simply because I was devoted to the word of God. Number two, man, we were devoted to the word. We live obediently. We live obediently. Philippians 4.9 says this. Whatever you have learned, this is Paul talking, or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So he's saying, whatever you have heard from me, the word of God I've been preaching to you, the way I serve, but mainly the word that I have brought for you, I need you to put it into practice. So simply put, I need you to be obedient to it. Because once you have heard it, you need to be obedient to it. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, hello, but do what it says. So James is saying, it's not enough that you just heard the word. You got to apply it and do what it says and be obedient to it. So I have, a, I have a life application Bible. It's a study Bible, Bible for dummies. And I learned so much in the bottom. I love it. It's so good to me. So I read a verse. What the heck does that mean? Go down there. Oh, read it again. Oh, okay. So it makes sense. And I was reading something in, in February, and I don't know if it was this verse or another one, and it just simply said something like this. It said, it had a question, and it said, what if we simply applied the, any of the word of God that we did know, how much of a stronger believer would we be? And I was just like, whoa, whoa. Because for me, guys, as pastor, I've been pastor for nine months. That's been one of the thoughts, that's, the thoughts that have haunted me. You didn't go to seminary. You don't know the word. There's about 15, 20. I don't know how many books of the Bible you've never even read. You've never even opened. You can't quote scripture. And you're the pastor. That's what my thoughts say. And I was like, yeah, no, this is the problem. This is what we do. And I used to do it before I was pastor. We focus on all the Bible that we don't know instead of shifting our perspective and focus on whatever we do know about the Bible. So what would life be like if we simply, hey, if I know one scripture, a hundred scriptures, I know this truth, and I just focused on that, and I wasn't bogged down, I wasn't comparing, I wasn't frustrated with what I didn't know. Because the Bible is a book of treasures, it's the love story from God, it's his redemptive story. You can be in the word every day, and you're going to learn something to the day you go to heaven, I'll tell you that right now. So it's not a, a, a you reach the end goal, but what if we just change our perspective? We built each other up in that way, and we say, man, but what do you do know? What do you walk in? Okay, think of it like this. When you, when you dedicate your life to Christ, some people call that your spiritual birthday, right? Anyone ever heard of that? Or you rededicate your life. So some of y'all are one, two, or three-year-olds spiritually. 
And that's okay. God's proud of you. God's excited of you. He loves you. He's so thankful for you. But you get, you get challenged and compared when you're not a 10-year-old Christian. And you want to be something you're not. And God knows. God's the God of the universe. And he knows that you're a two-year-old Christian. And he knows where you are. And he is pleased with you. And he is thankful for you. But we're trying to be something we're not. And I'm just telling you, you got to give yourself grace. It is by grace we are saved, but we won't give ourselves grace. He knows where we're at. He knows how long we've been living with him. He knows when we dedicate our life to him. And he's saying, hey, stop comparing to people. On the flip, some of y'all have known God your whole life, 10, 15, 20 years, and the word is in your heart, but you don't live it out. And I'm not saying, we all, well, no one's perfect in this room. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying when we fall short sometimes, but you just don't live the word. You're not obedient. There's people in this room who are two, three, four, five, six-year-olds spiritually, and they're looking up to y'all who've been living for God for 15, 16, 17, 18, 20 years, and you just decide not to live obediently. It's almost like the Pharisees. Pharisees knew the word, but they didn't live it out. It was the religion, not the relationship. And I'm challenging you, you got to be people who live the word out and model it for the people who are younger in their faith. Guys, we had people in this room in New Life Church and in every church in Arkansas and every church in this country give their life to the Lord at Easter. And those people might only know that I am a sinner, but Jesus Christ died for me and he paid it all and I have received his gift of salvation. I am a new creation in Christ. That might be all they know. But I believe, my opinion is, if they just stand on that and rest in that and believe in that, they might be stronger or or have more fruit in their life than some of us who know way more than that. Why? Because God knows where they're at. He pulled them out of darkness, and he's saying, all I'm asking you to do is be obedient and start walking right where you are and quit trying to be someone you are not. That happened four days ago. And you just get the word of God, and that's all you know. Christ died for me. I'm, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Get some of that. If that's all you know, that's enough. Some of y'all need to hear that. Where you're at, God is pleased with you, and it is enough, and you just need to just keep walking. It's okay. It's okay. Don't compare yourself. We got to talk about it, not be about it. Or be about it. Don't just talk about it. Dang it. Okay, so story time. So something that I really learned from my mentors um, five years or so ago, it's just that our words have power. In the book of Proverbs, it says that your words have the ability to give life or death. And some people are like, oh, really, a mere life or death? It's that black and white? I do believe so. Do I believe a lightning bolt will hit you? No, I'm just saying, life or death. So you, you, you're, you're reaping seeds of life or you're reaping seeds of death. Well, it's a big conviction of mine. Conviction is a Christian word saying, it's a big value from the word of God that's really important to me, that God's really teaching me, right? And so I believe there's power in our words, that we can speak life into people and we can speak death into people. And I believe a gift God's given me is an encourager. So as an encourager, I can speak life into people or I can speak in death to me. Well, when you come a, ba- a pastor, I had a rude awakening in a good way, People carry your words stronger. So when I'm sarcastic, sometimes, I'm, let me just be real for a fast. We have this Christian sarcasm. We think it's funny, and then we really are still hurting people's feelings. But we think because we're believers and we're joking, it doesn't hurt their feelings. And I'm bad about it. I'm not saying, I don't know what that is. Or, or, I became pastor, and my words, I was joking. I was giving people a hard time, and I was hurting people's feelings. We took a team to Chicago, and there's a couple times I went to my room, and I felt bad because there's probably things I shouldn't say to our team. Or there's times I've, I've talked to our leadership team the way I shouldn't have, and my words were not building up. And God just convicted me, and he was like, this is a gift of yours, and I, you have known that since you gave your life to me, that your words have power. And I, I was like, whoa, and it just wrecked me. And so for the past two weeks, I've been striving to go back to what I simply know. It wasn't like I just read something two weeks ago, and I was like, oh, there's power in my words. No, that's one of the first things my mentors ever taught me, and it really changed my life, and I just got away with it, got away from it. 
And that's the stuff I'm talking about, guys. We just gotta be obedient to what the word is you know, what the word is you experience, what other people are encouraging with the word. This is why in Luke eleven twenty eight it says this. He replied and said, blessed, this is Jesus talking, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So guys, all the time in the Old Testament, kind of the theme of the Bible, obedience leads to blessing. And disobedience leads to distance from God. In Deuteronomy, they call it curses, right? So if you want the blessing of God on your life, I'm not talking money. I'm talking the blessing, the favor of God on your life. You're obedient to his word and obedient to what he's putting on your heart. That's why we're talking about compelled by the spirit this year. So I challenge you guys, whatever the word you know, whatever the word you're seeking out, whatever someone's encouraged you with, whatever conviction you have, just be obedient to it. God will bless you and will move forward. And you got to be devoted to that word. Number three, we'll land this plane. And we're going to be devoted in the word so we walk in freedom. So the first one, man, our faith increases, we live obediently. Third one's, man, we walk in freedom. I got my master's in counseling, and not to boast, I'm just going to change the feel of this room real fast. I'm going to counsel pastor you because I've always wanted to do this. So this is going to happen. This might be one of the most things I pray over y'all, if anything, that y'all would be, live a free life, free in Christ, free from, free from the world, free from the things of your past, just in freedom that Christ died for us, Right? And it's th- I found out so many times that it's really encouraging, but there's all these things I want from God in my life and I'm trying to grow in, and then the next minute I really want it for y'all as pastor. So I've even been challenged by mentors that, Amir, sometimes when you read something encourage you, pause, soak it up, and then go text it to your leaders and then go encourage someone with it, right? Because it, it's for you first, and then it's for your team. But I found everything I want from God, I want it for y'all so bad, I promise. I know some of y'all don't even know me. You're like, well, that's crazy. I promise I just pray for you all the time. And in John 10, 10 one of my favorite scriptures, it really wraps up this thought. It says, the thief, talking about the enemy, the devil. Okay, we're adults, so it's time to get out of baby Christianity. There is a devil in this world. He doesn't walk around with horns and red. I don't know what color he is. I don't know what he looks like, but there's an enemy in this world who hates the Lord, who used to worship the Lord and got kicked out of heaven. There's a whole long theological talk with that, and he doesn't like us. His lone job in this world is to separate us from God. It's a real thing. It's real. But sometimes as Christians, we don't want to talk. No, no, it's the real deal. And this scripture says that this is Jesus talking. He says, the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy, but... I have come that you may have life and life to the full. One version says abundant life. Jesus says, in this world you'll face trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. So even Jesus is saying, hey, this is gonna happen. It's not gonna be an easy life, but don't worry about it because I took care of it on the cross. I conquered sin and death. So we're adults, we're young adults, so it's time to take this stuff for real life, right? But Jesus said, don't worry, I got your back. Okay, he's trying to separate us from God. That's what it is, his job. He does that through deception, lying, isolation, insert scenario here, separating us as believers just to separate us from God. Why? Because he used to be the worship leader and now that's our job and he's jealous. That's what I heard one pastor say and I was like, well, that's epic. Okay, so he separates us and what happens? We all have issues in this room. Let's just be honest. I have issues, y'all have issues. But sometimes our issues, they're, they're addictions, they're bondages, they're struggles, they're strongholds. Strongholds is a house of thoughts. And there are things that separate us from God. Or we think we're not worthy to be in God's presence. Like the cross isn't enough because of the lies from the enemy. But Jesus said, I want to give you life and life to the full, right? So you need to know any, any stronghold you have in your life, any addiction, any issue. And some of y'all, it's a few things. Some of y'all, it's that one thing. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Christ died for my sins, but there's still this thing I can't let go of. And he already died for that. That's almost saying like we have to re-crucify him. Right? 
that one thing, all those things, guys, are rooted in a lie. And a lie, or a lot of lies from the enemy. All those things, right? And mainly, the, all those lies kind of wrap up in two things. They're a lie of how we perceive God, so who he is, that he's a judgmental, hating, he, he's mad at me, da, 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 insert scenario here, the lies, 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 or how we perceive ourselves, who we are in God. That's where the enemy comes with the lies, right? But the truth is in the word. There was a quote I read in this book today, and it said, changing our internal truth will change our external responses. So changing our thoughts and what we believe inside will change our behavior on the outside, how we walk this relationship with God. So this is the breakdown. I'm gonna give you three headings, and we're gonna go into it. There's spiritual warfare in this world, right? The way we conquer it is the word of God, and one way, maybe the most prevalent way, is we meditate on the word. And I don't mean the hum, you know, getting crazy, East meditation. No, I'm not talking about that. So spiritual warfare, we get attacked in our thoughts. I've heard a pastor say we're the gatekeeper of our thoughts, right? God doesn't come down and, oh, don't, don't get away from the thoughts like they're flies. No, no, we are the gatekeeper of our thoughts. We have a choice what we put in. Scripture says in Romans 12 that we must renew our mind. We will be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which is the word of God. We choose what we want to look at. We choose what we want to entertain. We choose where we want to go. And we have thoughts. Well, I heard Caleb say this. I know sometimes Caleb's cheesy, but this was really good. Um, it said that when it comes to our thought life, our mind is like a hotel. And anyone can come in, but we choose to decide who we give a room to. Okay, Caleb, okay. I want your bad self. We choose who to give a room to. So thoughts come, but we are the gatekeeper of our thoughts. So we need the word of God, okay? So, okay, I get it. Spiritual warfare, it starts in, our, starts in our thoughts. But let me be real with you. It starts in our thoughts, but when we entertain those thoughts, yeah, that's when we have physical things like anxiety and, 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 and things that play out in our families and things that play out in our, our relationships, but it all starts here, right? The word of God's how we combat it. John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's Jesus. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm gonna say again, you will know the truth and truth will set you free because we hear these Bible verses and we're like, cool, that's not for me. Or cool, I, 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 I'm free and all these. No, 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 Jesus says, you will know the truth, my word, and it will set you free. That's what he said to us. That's what he spoke over us. That's what he died for us. So then we meditate on the word. A great, a great example how is Joshua 1.8. It says, keep this book of the law, the Bible, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous, moving along, and successful. How many of y'all want to be successful in all the areas of your life? Be real, right? So Joshua looks at us and says, hey, meditate on this word day and night, and you'll be prosperous, you'll move along in the things you're desiring for, and you'll be successful. What does meditate mean? Greek, Greek number three. Meditate in the Greek means to ruminate. And if any y'all know animals or farms and stuff like that, cows and sheep, they have multiple stomachs. And so ruminating is when they eat their food and they digest it and then they throw it back up, it's weird, and chew again and swallow it and throw it back up and chew again and swallow it. So that's what this word meditate means, that we are to get the word of God and get it inside our heart because we always do the head knowledge, we'll read our verse of the day, but we don't get it in our heart. And then we bring it back up, whether that's we reread it, whether that's we recite it, whether that's we hear it at church, whether that's a friend tells us, whether we read it. 
And then we put it back in our heart, and then we re- recite it again. We ruminate in and out, in and out. And then it'll get, guys, where Scripture's in your heart, and it's kind of crazy. And you'll be praying for a friend, or you'll just be praying to God. And this is some of y'all like, no, no, this is happening. No, it'll happen to you, even if you know one Scripture, and you'll, it'll just come out. And you'll be like, oh, Joshua says that we should meditate on the Word day and night. Black it out. What happened? <laughs> because the Word's in your heart. That's what happened. And that's how you, you, you defend against the enemy, I'm going to give you another scripture because we're talking about the word today, how this explains all this. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. So when the Bible says that the word is two-edged sword, this is what it means. One side of it challenges us and corrects us and sharpens us, but the other side covers us and protects us and heals our wounds. That's what this means when it says the word is double-sided. That's why you need the word inside of you. So not only does it sharpen us, does it get the things of this world out of us, does it draw us more to the fruits of God's spirit, but also those wounds from our past and those people that hurt us, it heals those in Jesus' name. Because his word is the truth, not the lie out of the mouth of the enemy. So I, I, I was in grad school a couple years ago and basically, one of my weaknesses, I compare. I'm going to compare. Well, I don't know how I got in grad school, by the grace of God. It was always playing. But everyone was smarter than me, to be honest. And I was just, there was, it was counseling a heavy female profession. There was only one other guy in the cohort, and he's just epically smart, just the smartest dude in the world. So I got really, I just started comparing. And long story short, I've never had this life. I ended up stressing so much, I got stomach ulcers. And then I remember being in the gym in my internship semester, and I was so busy, I was doing so much, I would like start shaking, and I would get these chest pains. Never in my life has that happened. I have like, I'm a really low stress guy. And I was like, what is going on? And I started talking to mentors and people in my life and they're like, man, I, you just need to get the word in your heart. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, you just need to speak the word over you. So I just memorized the scripture. The first one someone showed me, 2 Timothy 1, 7, it said, for God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. All I started doing, guys, I had these thoughts, these lies in the enemy. You can't do it, Amir. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not gonna get through grad school. And anytime I heard that, anytime I felt that anxiety, I just said, God, you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. You, kept, you still feel it? God, you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control. Because there's a spiritual war. And I know for, even for us guys, that might sound weird. Do you only just quote scripture? Yes, because that's how you battle. Because the word of God is a double-edged sword. And you speak it, and you speak it. And guys, that anxiety went away in Jesus' name. And now I used to get, before I became pastor, I got to speak a couple times, I would get scared. Before I spoke, I would stand right there and I couldn't even make it through worship because I was like so intimidated. But God didn't give me a spirit of fear. He gave me a a spirit of power and love and self-control. Because fear is not from God. Nervousness, that's cool. Fear, eh, not so much. And so every time I did it right before I came up, I speak that verse over myself. So when I come up here, I can be obedient to what God has put on my heart. I heard a pastor say it this way. It's very easy. We're almost done, I promise. You just got to read what you need. Don't make it religious. Your Bible has an index. If you don't know where it is, stinking Google it. God, I, I did it earlier. I'm about to read some scripture over y'all. I, I Googled depression scriptures, and these scriptures came up. I Googled comparison scriptures, and these scriptures came up. I Googled condemnation scriptures, and these scriptures came up. Read what you need. You identify what's going on in your life, in your heart, these challenges you have, no, the enemy wants to attack you there. Spiritual warfare is real. The word of God is what you use in this meditation, and you just speak it over, even if it's just one verse. I'm going to give you all some examples, and I'm, in doing this, I'm going to speak this over, y'all. So for one for anxiety, 
Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your, present your request to God. So not only is it said don't be anxious, but man, you need to pray, you need to seek God. You just keep saying this verse, saying this verse. Depression, Deuteronomy 31 eight. The Lord himself goes before you and he'll be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So it doesn't matter how you feel, even if you've been abused, even if you've had issues, even if you've had crap stuff happen to you that you didn't deserve, God looks at you and he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be right by your side. It does not matter what the world says. By depression in Jesus' name. That's what God says. Condemnation says Romans 8.1, therefore now there's no condemnation to those are in Christ Jesus. We've heard that verse, but you got to hear the rest of the story. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. That's why we have no condemnation. We don't just say we don't have condemnation. It's because Jesus died on the cross and he killed sin and death forever. That's why we have no condemnation. That's why we have no shame. That's why we have no guilt. That's why we are free. But you got to say these verses over. You have fear, Joshua 1, 1, 9. I have not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is wherever you go. God's saying, I have your back, don't you be afraid. I am with you, be strong and courageous, because you're a son and daughter of me. Comparison, Galatians 6, 4. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done, and you don't need to compare yourself to anyone. That's the Bible. You read that over yourself. Last one, anger, James 1, 19, 20. I say this one all the time. Hello. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. Jesus walked in the synagogue and flipped tables over and said, my, my, my temple will not be a den of robbers. He got, ho- he got mad. He got holy anger. But Scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. That's what it says. It doesn't, sometimes we get mad and we're like, oh, my mess up. No, 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 no. It's how you respond. You respond in the fruit of the spirit. You don't react in the flesh in Jesus' name. That's what it is. And these are just examples. I'm just trying to give you all practical examples because I want you all to do this. I want you all to speak these words over your life. I want you all to have power in your life because Jesus says, I've came to give you a life and life to the full. And I am tired of our generation and throw generation. I'm tired of Elevation, Conway, Arkansas, and I know you all and I know me and I'm growing in these things. I'm trying to get free of things from my family and my past. And I'm tired of living an injured and a dismayed and all this stuff in the past. When God said, I came, I died for you. We celebrated Easter so you will live a free and abundant life. And all you have to do is speak the word of God over your lives. That's what he's saying in Jesus' name. There's people in this ministry, there's leaders in this ministry, there's people in that church that will pray with you, that will speak it over you. No weapon formed against you shall stand. That's what scripture says too, right? And that's what tonight is all about. It's the word of God. I'm learning this. I haven't mastered it. I just wanted to speak it over you guys. It's for somebody. Your faith will grow. We gotta be obedient. And man, it is for freedom Christ set us free.